probably am. It was. James? <laughs> so, so, James, I know that you always record laying down. You are actually in your bed right now. Yep. For some reason, I always picture you being on a couch. I think well, it usually is. Yeah, I, was just, you know, I've, I just moved, so like, I don't have everything situated. So, James is just chilling on his bed 24-7, ma'am. Are you clothed? <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> Good, Listen. Give our listeners a visual. Mm. <laughs> Goodness. Hey guys! Hey, hey! <laughs> Long time since we recorded. It's been what ten minutes? Yeah, yep. yeah. We're doing a double header today. So before the holidays, we want to make sure we get all of our episodes recorded and ready, so that we can just you know relax and chill when Christmas arrives, which is the topic of our podcast episode today. Yeah. Yeah. Ho ho ho! No. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, My joke from last week, that was 10 minutes ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> so if you're listening to this, it's actually Christmas Eve. Yeah. You celebrate Christmas. Merry almost Christmas. If you don't, we're still happy to have you here because guess what? There are lots of other holidays out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa to you. I have <laughs> not heard that in ages. Yeah. I, I, that has always stuck with me. That was a Target ad. Yes. <laughs> That was a Target ad, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I love Target. (laughs) So, is there anything you guys want to talk about before we get to our icebreaker? Uh, What about our listeners that are the same this week as last? Different this week. We can do do this. Let's look at our... We have other shout-outs we can do. Let's look at our map, because we've got listeners all around the globe. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. And this... This week, or I guess this month, rather, December, we've had a huge uptick in listens in Norway. So thank you to everybody who's listening in Norway. I think that's rad and awesome. And new new to our listenership is Thailand. Oh, so we've got yeah. some listens in Thailand. Nice. So that's exciting. That's cool. Here in America, Alex, use your finger. Point. I did the same one. All right. He is saying hello to Tennessee. So Tennessee, Nashville, Memphis, Knoxville, wherever you're at. Chattanooga, we're happy that you're listening. So um, thank you to all of our listeners from around the globe. Also, I just want to thank everybody who submitted reviews this week because we love seeing what you guys think of the show. And we always appreciate any feedback because we're always looking to better ourselves, especially before 2021 arrives. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So thank you to everybody and all of your kind reviews. It makes us feel like... We're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So what's our icebreaker this week, you guys? On this beautiful Christmas Eve. Hmm. Um, Ching, ching, ching. Okay. (laughs) Oh, what the heck? Um, What is a memorable gift you have given and what is a memorable gift you have received? Oh, I love them. I feel like I'm really good at giving gifts, but nothing really comes to mind when it when I think of memorable gifts, mm. I I did make some artwork this year for some of my family members because it's not a year to be spending too much money just because you don't know what 2021 is going to hold. Agreed, so yeah. I tried to make gifts more than buy gifts this year, and mm. I actually think that I made some really pretty things. Oh, that's great. So most memorable gift that I've received, mm. I mean, I've, I've gotten a lot of really great gifts. You said it had to be for Christmas, right? Uh, no, I didn't specify, so go for it. Okay, the best gift I've ever received was my engagement ring from Alex. Oh, It's beautiful. Wow. Beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, those are my answers. Alex, um, what about you? I'm trying to think of gifts I've given. 
but one I have received, and Cece knows about this one. Yes. Is a a blanket that my parents gave me back when I turned 18. When I turned 18, I was in high school. They gave me a blanket with all of my jerseys from all the sports I'd ever played sewn into it. Oh, wow. A pretty cool blanket. Very cool. And it's very comfortable. So, yeah, it went all the way back to like my very first soccer team with the Polly Walks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was very cool. Gift, and then favorite gift given. I'm so bad about remembering the things I've given to people. I mean, my presence is quite the gift <laughs> uh, for a lot of people. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. You don't have totally to strain bad. your brain too much. James, I know that you're a really great gift giver. What is the best gift you've ever given and received? Oh, uh, wow. Let's see. In terms of giving, this one's funny. I gave my twin sister, like I saved up my money and I got her this nice little bracelet. Um, but I, I put it in a just a typical chocolate bar like container. And so when she opened it, she was furious. And then, of course, when she saw that it was, she was not. So that was pretty <laughs> memorable. And then in terms of receiving... That's always a lot harder. You know, in Appalachia, here, okay, this is one. This was just a couple of years ago. My dad got me a pocket knife that's abalone lined, uh, abalone being mm-hmm. a beautiful pearlescent uh, shellfish. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's gorgeous. Uh, but in Appalachia, there's actually a, a myth that you don't ever give a knife as a gift because it'll ruin the relationship with whom you give a gift to. And so the way you counter that is by exchanging currency so you purchase the gift. And so I had to give him a penny or a dime. For that purpose. Mm, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. For a second, I thought that you were going to take a dark turn and say, <laughs> you know, it was it. a relationship and I didn't buy it from him. Uh, so, no. James, I'm glad that you gave him some money for mm. that abalone line knife. I thought about the best gift I'd give him. Oh, Alex has come up with All something. Right. What is it? <laughs> oh, oh. Gwen. Gwen. Uh, I, he put his hand on my back and I knew that was coming. <laughs> She is. She is a very wonderful gift. She's sleeping peacefully upstairs right now. Praise God. Okay. Well, that was a fun icebreaker. <laughs> Listeners, uh, we'll post a picture on Instagram. Probably I'll take a picture of some presents that I wrap. Yeah. Um, and then I'll ask you guys, what's the most memorable gift you've given and received? Mm. So keep an eye out for that on the 13th floor Instagram. You can follow us at 13th floor podcast. Yeah. Yes. So this week we're getting creepy. Christmas creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about the spookier side of the holidays. And Alex is going to be starting us off today. Oh, sure. Alex, what are you talking about with regards to creepy Christmas? Uh, I'm going to start with one that I think most, no, actually, you know, I'm not going to say most people. I think, but I do think a good amount of people have heard of Krampus. Krampus. Yeah. I think it's maybe an overestimation to think that everybody's heard of that. That's just like something that I think most people have been encountered in like pop culture sense. Yeah, it's been, yeah. it's been really it was shoved down our throats for like, I, I want to say like 2008 to 2015, like that ballpark. It was just everywhere. Well, 2015 is when the movie came out, Krampus. Yeah. And then I know it appeared in an episode of Venture Brothers, yeah. the Christmas episode. It was an American Dad. It's flipping everywhere. Uh, what was that show we used to watch about the fantasy football? They had it too. Oh, yeah, they did. Uh, That's a good show. show. Um, So, yeah, so Krampus, some people are familiar with him. Uh, I do recommend the movie. We did did just review it on 
my other podcast, Monsters vs. Men. Yeah. As a Christmas surprise. Yeah, I made a, made the mistake of watching it with him. And it's not even that scary. It's more funny, no, but I more still had a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it is more of a comedy, but it does have some scary elements. And I do recommend it. It's very good. Maybe. So, uh, a little crossover pollination. A little cross-pollination right there. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, aside from his appearances in pop culture, he does show up in some... Central European countries, this half goat, half demon, man thing. (laughs) His goat features are particularly scary. He's got hooves, horns, eyes like that of a goat, and he's covered in hair. What's scarier than a man covered in hair? Uh, (laughs) Then he has a long pointed tongue. To really help out his creep factor. That was, that was one of the creepiest things about him in the movies when he sticks his tongue out and starts to look at that kid's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, not only that, though, but Krampus has chains hanging off of him. So, he's like, I wouldn't say jingle, more of a clangle. Yeah, chain. Cling. Chain, chain. Cling. So, you hear him coming. And this is most likely an addition due to Christianity. Uh, because they, it sounds like over time they decided to add chains to Krampus to imply that he had escaped hell. Oh, I didn't realize that that was why he had chains. I thought he just had chains because chains are like inherently creepy. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. So he's just essentially evil Santa Claus, though. Yeah. He takes Santa's naughty list and he punishes them. Yeah. So, what he does to punish the naughty children varies, likely on culture, but he'll bring birch branches to swat children, which later evolved to whips. Yes. He also carries a basket or a sack that he uses to drag children away from their homes. Now, what does he do after taking these children? Well, there's a few nefarious options. Drowning, eating, transporting to hell. <laughs> no. All of which, you know, all of which sound pretty rough. Yeah. No. Yeah. I wouldn't want that. Uh, we, that's the only cool thing about Krampus, in my opinion, is like, think about that. You know, think how many times you've been out and about and a kid's being a brat. And like, if you if you don't act good, Santa won't bring you your toys. Like, imagine the alternative. If you're not good, Krampus will drown you and drag you <laughs> to hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah. So, he is more of a Central European entity in terms of like his cele- I don't know if it, I don't know if celebration is the right term, but we're gonna say celebration. <laughs> so, unlike the the way things in the states work, like with how Santa drops coal off to if us for bad. the bad kids, yeah. Krampus is the one that drops the coal off okay. over there. So Santa just like, Santa's probably like, listen, I've got so many good kids homes to go to, Krampus. Will you just like take the coal, the bad ones? Exactly. So he just deals with the nice kids. He's got the easy job. And then Krampus is over here delivering coal on the holiday. Krampusnacht. Krampusnacht. Yeah. (laughs) So the feast of uh, St. Nicholas is actually celebrated on the 6th of December. And the night before, Krampusnacht. Uh, or the St. Nicholas celebration uh, Eve, Krampus roams the streets sometimes, even accompanied by jolly St. Nick himself. 
So they're probably just like they're not, they're not teaming up, but I think I feel like he's probably like, hey, Krampus, don't get too wild out here. I like the idea of them being friends and playing poker every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, good cop, bad cop. They're actually yeah, friends behind the yeah, scenes. That's exactly what I thought when you said that. Hmm. <laughs> now the Europeans have been exchanging Krampus snuckton. Uh, greeting, I'm totally butchering that, but uh, greeting cards uh, featuring Krampus since the 1800s. And they actually even have the Krampuslauf, which is a run with a whole bunch of people dressed like Krampus. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So there, they, there's a lot of interesting ways that they celebrate. Sometimes they carve masks. Sometimes they carry around switches and swing cowbells around. It's really interesting what they've kind of done to celebrate. So America doesn't really celebrate Krampus too much, but there is a little area in Philadelphia that uh, in 2011, National Public Radio helped advertise the formation of Krampuslauf. (laughs) Another one of those runs? By Krampus Enthusiasts. So it's one of those runs. (laughs) What a creepy name for it. I'm a Krampus Enthusiast. (laughs) 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 so another interesting thing is in 2019 in the town of austria a bunch of people looking like krampus caused a drunken and disorderly conduct incident (laughs) (laughs) yeah so one of the things about krampus is he's slowly uh especially on like the cars that they send they used to send like these really menacing cards where he's like looming over children getting ready to steal them. Also, I saw so many creepy cards. Now those cards are a little more funny. He's a little more silly. He's not as creepy, which is just doing him a disservice. If you guys Agreed. Should. So there's also another character mm-hmm. uh, who in some ways is kind of similar to Krampus in terms of that he punishes people and he doesn't do anything nice. And that's the character of, of Zwart Piet. And he's this mm. Dutch Krampus in a way, kind of. So <laughs> James is actually the one that alerted me to his existence. And uh, <laughs> whew, racial insensitivity is probably the nicest way to put it, looking at this guy. Um, there's <laughs> there's a lot of problems <laughs> with it. But I'm going to talk about his personality and the things he does on Christmas <laughs> okay. rather than all the controversies surrounding him. But he's actually in this now censored scene of The Office. He comes in on Dwight's behest. Are you serious? Yeah. And and now it's a censored scene. Oh, what? Yeah. So now you can't really find it on streaming services. You can find it on DVD. But I did want to talk about his character. So and he's a companion of Santa, a lot like Krampus is. And his punishments are kind of similar in a way. He delivers out the coal. But he also wants to steal children away. Now, instead of killing them, he just kind of makes them work in Santa's workshop for a season. Like little elves for yeah. a season? Now, labor. Who knows what kind of labor that is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's probably pretty miserable. But Piet is now suffering from something similar uh, to Krampus in that <laughs> his punishments are being died down. He is now, actually, his punishments not only are died down, they are abolished. What? And now, Zwart Piet is portrayed as a friendly character to everybody. Really? Yep. Hmm. 
And it looks like they've, as of this year, kind of gotten rid of a lot of the rough stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, know. People look it up. It's Z W A R T P I E T. Two separate words. Zwart Piet. Uh, look it up. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But I would read the history of it. It's pretty interesting, and the controversy surrounding it is interesting too. Well, thank you, Alex. Off to look into that. James, who are you talking about? I got two as well. Um, And let's start with the big one. Let's start with Santa himself. So, the big guy. Yeah. Well, uh, there's, we've, we've talked a little bit about this before about, you know, Fly Amanita, Amanita Muscaria, uh, having a connection with Santa. But let's, let's just go over a few things. Question, you guys. Some of this is going to be me asking you guys questions. Question, you guys. Where does Santa live? The North Pole. The North Pole, a.k.a. the Arctic. And guess who also lives in the Arctic? Shamans. And you know what they give out on the winter solstice to people? Or used to, at least? I'm going to assume it's the Flyman Amanita. Yep. The gut of a billy goat. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Fly Amanita. It's the mushrooms. Oh. And here's oh. another question. <laughs> which you won't have the answer to probably. But, well, actually, I can rephrase it in a better way. Where does one find presents on Christmas morning? Underneath a tree. Underneath your Christmas tree. Yeah, what kind of tree is that? <gasps> James. <laughs> uh, an evergreen tree or a That's right. spruce or something yeah, like that. A pine that. tree, yeah. Well, guess what else grows under pine trees than you would find on Christmas morning? James, you sneaky little fox, you. <laughs> yep. And uh, those shamans, they like to dress in two colors. Can you guess what they were? Red and green. <laughs> well, red and white, like Santa. Red and white. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Red which is white. incidentally, <laughs> yeah, which is incidentally the color of Flyamanita. And also, um, often these shamans who were dressed like Santa, uh, they would take these mushrooms to see their spirit animal. And do you know what the, one of the most common spirit animal was? <laughs> oh, let me guess. Was it the reindeer? Yeah. So it's. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy the similarities there. So we, we, we see these Arctic shamanic rituals, and the, the commonalities there with Santa are kind of insane. Uh, it's borderline nuts. But there's another individual that I've also talked about a little bit before, and now we're going to go in much further detail, who is a very keen representative of Santa. Now, as we've already mentioned, uh, there's pre-Christian origins of Christmas regarding Yule, and there'll be more on that with my second character, too. And when we think of Yule, and when we think of Christmas time figures who might have some sort of connection to Norse and Germanic paganism, it's pretty apparent. It's hard not to imagine Odin or Odin being sort of a Santa-like figure. So, well, okay, what 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 does he have in common with Santa other than the fact that he kind of sort of looks like him? And he's from the same general area where we just discussed the, the fly Amanita symbology. Well, let's start with the fact that he rides an eight-legged horse, Sleipnir, as opposed to being led by eight reindeer. Let's also look at the uh, Wild Hunt, which we covered in our Halloween special. It takes place on Yule. It takes place on the winter solstice. Well, 
It's actually back then they actually used a lunar calendar rather than a solar calendar, but it happened in and around the same ballpark, you know, late December, early January, uh, that general ballpark. Also, Yule had 12 days to it, uh, In according to some people. Some people say it was just three days, and we can see that correspond to the 12 days of Christmas. Odin was known for giving gifts to human beings and for showing up dressed as a stranger, uh, relying on, on human uh, compassion and generosity and, in turn, blessing people. Well, similarly, we see the same kind of uh, behavior exhibited by Santa. So there's a huge, huge overlap. Cannot state that enough. In fact, before the, the 1920s, Santa, a.k.a. Father Christmas, looked a lot more like Odin because he was a slim figure, uh, sort of more gaunt and just not, not a big fat fella. And, of course, all that changed in 1920s when Coca-Cola came up with a fat Santa and everybody just went head over heels for it, I guess. So it's a very they strange thing. jolly about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and one little thing back on the, the wild hunt is, you know, where does it take place? You know, here he is riding an eight-legged horse across the sky. So it's not just a question of having the same number of legs. He's also flying across the sky in huh. the middle of winter. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a huge component. There's even a poem about him as a gift giver. Um, it's in the Volsunga saga. And it says, we'll ask Odin to keep us in mind. He gives gold to those who are worthy. He gave Hermoth a helmet and armor. He gave Sigmund a sword as a gift. He gives victory to some, money to others, eloquence to many, and common sense to all. He gives waves to the sea, word skill to poets. He gives the many the happiness of love. Again, you, if you replaced Odin with uh, Santa Claus and you replaced gold and helmet and armor and swords with Red Rider BB guns and whatnot, you'd, you'd have a pretty good <laughs> uh, indication of Santa. So there's a very clear connection there. But he's not the only member of the Norse pantheon uh, who's connected to that, as we'll see shortly. The last bit on Santa that I'm going to talk about happens to be the man himself, St. Nicholas, a.k.a. Chris Kringle. So St. Nicholas is a really interesting fella that very – people just don't talk a lot about him despite him being such a powerful figure in the global zeitgeist, probably because he does differ so much from the – I mean, really – Odin has more in common, in my opinion, with Santa Claus than St. Nicholas does. But uh, <laughs> but St. Nicholas, there's a lot of interesting things about him. He was, he was born in uh, what is today Greece. Uh, it was Asia Minor at the time. And he's a saint of, like, everything. It's, it's almost annoying. You know, there's different patron saints for different things. But he's a patron saint of, like, everything. Brewers, Coopers, Liverpool – I mean, there's like 500 things that he's a patron saint of. Uh, it's kind of freaky. I, I don't know why there are any other saints looking at all the things. Uh, people who are falsely accused, repentant thieves, etc. But uh, that being said, what he's most known for are two things, really, at least in, in modernity. And that is his generosity. Uh, he would He would pay dowries for young unmarried women so they wouldn't be forced into prostitution. Uh, particularly one instance of this, where this one fella, he's really pious and devout, but then he he ends up going broke because of misfortunes that some even attributed to the devil himself, and he paid the dowry for the man's three daughters. 
so he, they wouldn't be humiliated and forced into prostitution. That's that's one big thing he's known of for. He's also known for uh, being a the Bishop of Myra, which is where he's from, and being tortured and persecuted by Diocletian during uh, the Great Persecution. That was between 284 and 305. Really, really rough stuff. Um, in fact, I didn't know this until uh, just a few days ago that the person who released him was Constantine the Great. So I, I had to study him a lot as a kid, but I didn't know that he was the guy responsible for freeing St. Nicholas back when he was being like tortured. So that's pretty cool. Um, another big, big thing that he's known for is that he was very averse to Arianism, which is what's now considered to be a heresy. And so he played a, actually a pretty big role in sort of rallying people against what are now known as heretics who wouldn't sign the Nicene Creed, wouldn't attest to the Nicene Creed, which has since become a huge part of uh, like Christendom. That being said, a lot of people don't think he actually attended, that he actually had died before it ever happened. So that's very debatable. In fact, most things involving St. Nicholas, the person, is debatable. But to me, you know, we have to have a spooky component, right? This is the last thing I'll say about St. Nicholas himself. This is one of the creepiest stories I've ever heard. So presumably, I don't buy this for a second, but presumably there was a famine and a butcher, a, 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 I almost said bishop and butcher at the same time, a, a butcher lured three kids to his house, killed them, put them in a barrel and cured their meat to sell them as ham. So, oh yeah, right? So St. Nicholas is there because there is a famine and he's trying to take care of people. And he realizes, hey, this butcher guy, he's trying to sell kids his ham. So, right? <laughs> wow. So he makes the sign of the cross over the barrel and the three kids get resurrected. So it's, it's unironically called the resurrection of the pickled children. I'm a little skeptical of that one, you guys. Just saying. <laughs> Good night. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now we're on to the second figure that I was going to talk about, and it has a huge connection with Alex's because, in some ways, this is a precursor to Krampus. And I would argue that Krampus is a Christianized form of the Yulebach, the, the Christmas goat. Uh, basically, uh. In pre-Christian times, this was a symbol, and it was associated with gifts, and it was associated with the season, and people would make a big straw goat or a big twig goat, and then they would burn it uh, at Christmas, uh, largely because Yule was associated with fire in the first place. A huge part of Yule is having uh, everyone take home a piece of uh, a big communal fire, sometimes even made from the Yule Bakken, the Yule goat, and take it home and then the following year they would they would put it in the kindling for the big communal fire a second time so it's it's kind of like that idea of an unending fire in this sense it's the fact that the fuels being reused by the community they all take a piece of it home with them so and and you see that a lot of cultures the idea of of a fire being preserved forever in one respect mm -hmm. or another so that's sort of what the yule Bakken is and it was just a regular goat, like a cute little goat. You can look it up. Cute little straw goat. 
And it sort of became, because of the associations with goats and the devil and also the fact that it was a pagan custom, it became more and more anthropomorphic, more and more diabolical, and sort of evolved into Krampus. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. And it, its origins, and I mentioned before that there's there's a connection here with uh, with another member of the Norse and Germanic pantheon. Well, this has to do with Thor, specifically with his goats, because Thor was known for having these two goats that were kind of indestructible. Basically, he would he would have them pull his little sleigh, uh, Tangsnjost and Tangsgrisner, and they would pull his little sleigh, and uh, this is so morbid and creepy, but, you know, after they were done pulling his sleigh, wherever he made camp for the night, he would kill them and eat them. <laughs> he would roast oh them God. and eat them, uh, but he would preserve the bones because the marrow is where the soul was, and that's uh, something that we'll talk about in future episodes, I'm sure, but the marrow is where the soul was, and then the next morning they would resurrect and they would carry him around again. So they were just like these immortal goats that he had. Well, one day he goes to a mortal household, a man, a woman, and their two children, and they're very poor. And of course this is kind of goes hand in hand with how Odin would often do this too, you know, rely on the kindness of strangers. Thor, uh, wanted a place to stay. And they, they said that he could stay with them, but they, they didn't have a whole lot to feed him. And he said, well, we, we can actually eat my goats. Uh, just make sure to leave the bones alone. Don't mess with the bones at all. So they eat the goats. And one of the kids, one of the two children, sucks the marrow out of one of the bones. So the wow. next morning, the goats resurrect, but one of them has a limp. And it can't be repaired. I mean, it's forever going to have a limp. So Thor is furious. And the the couple, they beg and plead, you know, don't kill our kids. Don't kill us. We're sorry. We're sorry. So what he does, he forgives them. This is not a very modern or, or Christian view, but he forgives them in exchange that uh, the children become his servants. So Thor is served by these two children, and he's also carried around by these two goats. So that's sort of the connection, this idea of generosity and giving with a goat uh, being sort of the, the crux of that. And what I think is really cool is up until whew, probably the mid-20th century, the Yule Balkan was just a normal part of Scandinavian Christmas. Like Santa really didn't enter into the equation as much as the Yule Balkan up until, you know, the whole Coca-Cola commercialized component. And there are even songs about uh, the Yule Goat. There's one from 1901 called Raska Fotter Springa Trip Trip Trip. That's uh, it's a Swedish song and it's super <laughs> cute. And yeah, I'll, I'll even sing it if you guys want. Yeah, please, by all means. Okay, well, Sweden, I apologize in advance because I'm going to butcher this, I'm sure. But I do think it's cool to hear a Christmas carol about something that's not very, at least to an American audience, associated with Christmas at all. So here we go. Without further ado. <laughs> okay. Reskafotar springa trip, trip, trip. Mama harsha brotum clip, clip. Clip, you less lapper like a scene. Dorin's tongues are nice, Dean. They are bearer all leaked. Papa her got Uden stun, stun, stun. Cooper dar a practic grun, grun, grun. Dinskel hangers rectic fool. First in stana out of ghoul. Not her sin, och, applin. 
Seine Erdelaten klart, 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 Bahnen Russa ihn mit Fahrt, 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 dem Star Darrer Papas Rock, Joderarer Vuljule Bock, Hanher Saker Klapper, Alaber Menropa Ak, 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 Snallerer Papa Tak, 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 Margifarer Torkastor, Gunga Has for Lele Brur. Stina far in Kalke. Snarar glodas julin slut slut slut. Jule granen bares ut ut ut. Min til nasta er igen. Kommer han var gamle van. Tide har han lovat. <laughs> wow, Jay. I'm sure I've got you down. I just looked it up one day. You just. <laughs> <laughs> you would. What does that song roughly translate to? Um, I actually can I look that up. Uh, okay, here we go. I'm just, I'm just curious. Sure. I feel like maybe you might have just cast some spell on all of us. <laughs> Hasty feet run quick, quick, quick. Mom's so busy she cuts, cuts, cuts. Christmas gifts are wrapped. The door closes before your nose. It's so much fun. Dad has gone into town, 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 buying a splendid spruce, spruce, spruce. It shall be decorated. Much, much, much. First a star made out of gold, then nuts and apples. See now everything is colorful. The children rush in very fast, fast, fast. Who? What's there in dad's coat? Well, it's our Christmas goat. He certainly has gifts. All the children shout, oh boy, boy, boy. Dearest father, thanks, thanks, thanks. For Margie, a big doll. For little brother, a rocking horse. Christina gets a toboggan. Soon Merry Christmas ends, ends, ends. The Christmas tree is thrown out, out, out. But next year, once again, will come our old friend, for it's what he promised. Wow. So it's about the, the Yule Goat. Way to go, James. Yeah. You know, we got to give a round of applause that for that. Yeah. Goodness. Wonderful performance. That's uh, that's James's Christmas present to all of you 13th Floriers out there. I can't there. even remember the research I just did. And James just peruses and sees a song and he remembers it 15 in, in years Swedish. later. Yeah. In a different language. You can recite it perfectly. Wow. Goodness. Well, that's awesome. I guess, is it my turn? I don't know how I'm going to follow up that, but (laughs) we'll try. Okay. So, you guys, I am briefly going to talk about a few, two rather, creepy Christmas figures. The first being Frau Perchta, Mm -hmm. also known as Frau Berchta, translation Bertha. (laughs) And that's what she's called by the Brothers Grimm. And they actually are what helped make her story more popular. Hmm. The story, it's the story of the Christmas witch, you guys. She's from Austrian and Bavarian folklore. And she's creepy as fuck. Okay. (laughs) Like, like, I don't know how I've never heard of her. But I'm also incredibly happy that I wasn't a child. Because I probably wouldn't have been able to sleep during the 12 days of Christmas. Because that's when she said to visit. And I didn't realize this, but the 12 days of Christmas are actually uh, December 26th through January 6th, which is the day of Epiphany. Yeah, yeah. the whole before Christmas thing um, was was combination of paganism, but more so commercialization in America. In Europe, they pretty much do like what you just described. It lasts up until January. Yeah, January 6th, which is the day of Epiphany, which is a big day for... Uh, Frau Perchta. That was one of my days. Yeah, well, according to the storiedimaginarium.com, she's often depicted as, quote, a crone dressed in rage. I don't know if that was a typo. (laughs) I don't know. 
but <laughs> she has a beaked nose and she looks all haggard and stuff. And some say she has a wonky club foot, which may be a clue that she's able to shape shift possibly into mm-hmm. other animals. Well, maybe that rage was because she goes to raves. Oh, maybe she, her club foot is because she goes to the club. <laughs> I was, I was wondering where you're going to take that. Um, other times, though, while she might look really scary sometimes, other times she may appear as a beautiful, stunning woman dressed in white. But that's only if you're good throughout the year. If you are bad, oof, just don't be bad, you guys. I do not want a piece of her. Yeah, Frau Birchta is much like Santa Claus in the sense that she identifies if a child has been naughty or nice. If you're nice, she'll leave a little silver coin for you, which sounds great. Mm. If you've been bad, Uh-oh. holy moly, you guys. She carries, I'll just say, she carries a knife on her always, oh. hidden up her skirt, which just sounds incredibly dangerous to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what if she falls on it? Exactly. It's like, when I think about that, that's one of the things, when it said she had a knife that she wears up her skirt, the first thing I thought was like, she, pro- I know she probably has the little blade down, but what if she stabs herself uh, in her upper thigh or her calf? Yeah, especially when she's clubbing. That's why you don't yeah. give knives as gifts. There we go. No, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Maybe she didn't pay for it. But what's what's the little thing that you carry a knife in? The little, a sheath? A sheath. She probably has a sheath. Mm. Anyways, she got a knife. And if you're bad, um, she'll use the knife to slit open your belly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. Being naughty is... Just that is pretty general, right? But there are a lot of very specific things that you can do that one might not think of as naughty. Um, but it is bad, and mm. you'll get on her bad side. And some of these things that you can do that would warrant a belly slice would be <laughs> oh Jesus, not leaving her some porridge. Oh. So Santa prefers cookies. Frau likes boiled grains. <laughs> Two, you don't eat her traditional feast day meal. And I think that her feast day was actually on January 6th. But that day you're supposed to eat fish and gruel. So oh, more, man, uh, she was not a fan of good food, huh? No. She, she kept it simple. Three, uh, you spin flax over the holiday. During the 12 days of Christmas, you're supposed to take a break from spinning, you guys. <laughs> but wait, but wait. What if you still have leftover flax that needs to be spun before the end of the year? You get a belly slice. <laughs> oh, Four. wow. She doesn't like it if you haven't spun your year's allotment. So you need to get your your flax spun before December 25th, okay? Mm, okay. And then five, if you're a woman and you just have an untidy house, that's a frow perch to death sentence. Oh, man. She's a stickler for the rules, you guys. She's often referred to as the upholder of cultural taboos. But this is one thing that really fries my groats, okay? She said to only really attack bad children and women. I was about to say, this seems like a really, like a ploy to get women to spin their flax and keep the house clean. <laughs> right, this is the thing. Are men just off the hook here? Because men can have messy houses too, you know? Men made it through childhood, so uh, we're all right. Uh, we're good now. A man can pick up a broom to tidy <laughs> up. And maybe, what if Kristoff didn't want to eat his fish and gruel on feast day? You know what I mean? Makes me mad. Anyways, <laughs> when you get the slice, if you've been bad, Frau removes your organs oh. and replaces them with straw and stones. Oh, so wow. Merry freaking Christmas, everyone. Yeah. yeah was, uh, and also, very interesting, James, I'm sure that you already know this if you thought it, find it interesting, but there's lore that insinuates that she leads the wild hunt too, which no, as I didn't James know that. Was mentioned earlier. Yeah. She's apparently the female equivalent of Birchtold. The male leader of the wild hunt in German lore. Hmm. So, oh, really? yeah, which is Frau Birchta. 
Birch Toll. She's. I forgot to mention that Zwart Piet also originated as part of the Wild Hunt. Interesting. Well, yeah, I'm telling you, the Wild Hunt is is fascinating. It is it is a rabbit hole. Everyone should fall down. Well, her her Wild Hunt apparently is the last three Thursdays before Christmas, and her Wild Hunt with her are creepy elves and unbaptized babies. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they just cause holiday mischief. Oh my god, I look so, of a picture of her. It's terrifying. It's like a bohemian version. She's a little bit scary, James. Oh man, yeah, she looks that. like the Babadook. Yeah, well that's something that I saw when I was on Wikipedia just looking up general information to get like an idea of what she was. There was related articles and that was one of them. Mm. In the Baba Yaga, there's a lot of ties to all sorts of things. What, what so, was her name again? Frau Perchta, spelled P-E-R-C-H-T-A. I wonder if she likes fish because she's got perch in her name. I don't have <laughs> names. It's it's supposedly supposed to be Frau Birchta as well. Yeah. But she's she's a she's an interesting character. Mm-hmm. So you guys agree, right? Frau is creepy, creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want her at the club. No, you don't want. Yeah, her I'm at glad the club. you went last because yeah, we needed to end on a creepier note, and that is creepy <laughs> IF. Well, here's another one that's kind of creepy, but it also has a, a a less creepy side to it. Mm-hmm. But have you guys ever heard of Hans Trop? A.K.A. the Christmas Scarecrow. No. <laughs> Good Lord, no. Yeah, he's also called the Christmas Boogeyman. Uh, and Ripley's.com shared the story of Mr. Trop, as did, and his name makes me laugh every time I see it, B.H. Pumpkin Claw on YouTube. <laughs> 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 and his, his channel is actually very interesting. I ended up watching a lot of different stories that he does, so I do recommend checking that out. But his name makes me laugh. But anyways, mm. uh, this story's going to have you shaking in your boots, Alex. Oh. Eh. Okay, so Mr. Hans, he was a very prominent figure in his little village in Alsace, France, mm-hmm. uh, way back in the 1400s. And all he cared about was power and fortune. And so he started making deals with the devil, apparently, to maintain his prominence. But then the Pope found out that he was in cahoots with Satan. And the Pope was like, be gone, Hans Trapp. I excommunicate you. Give me all your wealth and property and hit the road because you are no longer welcome here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Hans is like, oh, shucks. And he <laughs> leaves and ends up in the mountains of Bavaria where he builds himself a little ramsackle home. Ram, ramsackle or ramshackle? Yeah, ramshackle. Ramshackle home. And he just sits and he stews on his misfortune now. And then he, you know what he decides, Alex? Mm-hmm. He thinks to himself, you know what sounds good? Human flesh. I want to eat it. <laughs> yeah. And then he becomes a Christmas scarecrow and he decides he wants to get revenge on society that basically shunned him. So legend has it that he turned to cannibalism because that's what the devil would want from him, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So what he did was he dressed up as a scarecrow, which is creepy as heck just to like think about, but he would strap a bunch of straw to his body and then he'd pretend to be a scarecrow and he would just wait for a passerby so that he could snatch him. And sadly, Jeez. legend has it that he did catch a victim, a little mm. boy, whom he killed. And then he cut up his body. And as he was about to eat it, God looked down from the clouds and he saw it. And he was like, boom. And he hit um, Hans Trop with a lightning bolt and cracked his head open and killed him. Oh. Yeah. So that's the story of Hans Trop. And some parents in the region of France where this kind of started maintain that Hans Trapp will return around Christmas time. It's really just like, you know, a ploy to get your kids to act good. But right. he will keep his eye out for kids to eat. That's what they'll say. 
that he keeps his eye out for kids to eat. And he's going to mark their house by leaving a little bundle of twigs outside their house. So that like, <laughs> day he knows which houses to hit up. <laughs> yeah. So like, I could just imagine like parents, like if your kid's acting a fool, it's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get some sticks <laughs> and I'm going to time them, put them on the front porch. That would be so like anyways. if today, if today, imagine kids in Wisconsin being told, Oh, you better be good. Or Jeffrey Dahmer will come get you. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's insanity. Yeah. It's horrifying. But Hans Trapp is, is actually – it is actually based on a real-life person, a man named Baron Hans von Strasse. And while stubborn, greedy, and hella petty, the real deal Hans did not eat children, fortunately, <laughs> as the folklore states. But he uh, he did disagree with the church over a parcel of land, so the Pope did excommunicate him and told him to hit the road. So, is you, that it? No, no. There's more to it. Oh, okay. Listen, it, it gets worse, but it's not as bad as eating children. So, real Hans, he was given two castles apparently by a bishop, and then years later, a local abbey got into a dispute with him over the property, and Hans got pissed because the church was like, "Oh, you got to give your land to the the abbey, I guess." And so Hans is like, you know what? I'm going to make that abbey hurt real bad. I'm going to cut off their water supply. So he put up a dam and essentially cut off water to this little village. So all, then all of the water builds up over time in this reservoir. And then Hans rips the dam down and boom, horrible flood. No. <laughs> he floods Whoa. the entire village. Yeah, he floods the entire village. People die. The The town's economy is basically flipped upside down. So then the Pope calls on Hans and he's like, hey, what the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> you need to come to Rome and you need to answer for your actions. And Hans disrespectfully declines. And instead, he wrote a strongly worded letter <laughs> accusing the church of debauchery. He's like the original Karen. This is insane. <laughs> yeah. So the Pope was like, I've had enough. You're excommunicated. And then he was banned. And the excommunication was actually later lifted by French King Louis Fourteenth. Or the 14th, the 12th. I don't know where that number came from. But Hans' reputation obviously never recovered. So <laughs> so to this day, his tale is still shared, just in a much darker and grim way than what actually happened with Man. the story of Hans von Trotha. So yeah. That is nuts. Um, those are the stories of Frau Perchta and Hans Trapp. <laughs> and while they are freaky, I do. I totally understand why they're told. Because James, as you mentioned earlier, it's like if you want your kids to stay in line throughout the year. <laughs> honestly, I probably would have been a lot less naughty had I been told about these guys growing up. Versus, hey, Santa's going to bring you a, a lump of coal if you're bad. <laughs> I collected rocks when I was little. That was one of my big hobbies. And <laughs> I always wanted coal because I thought... I. I was taught that it would eventually turn into diamonds, which I now know is not true. <laughs> but still, I still wanted that coal because I had that idea in my head. Mm. So I was just a little naughty this one year. My dad he gave me some coal. Thinking back on it, it was totally a charcoal brick for a grill. <laughs> I didn't, didn't know the difference. But had he told me that if I was bad and the Christmas witch was going to come and slice my stomach from side to side and stuff me with straw, I would have never been bad. Mm. I would have been a freaking saint. <laughs> so I understand why the stories are told, but man, am I happy I didn't grow up with those. Yeah. Yeah. No so way. yeah, you guys, that is just the darker side of Christmas. <laughs> um, as you celebrate, you know, Christmas is coming. 12 days of Christmas is actually beginning tomorrow, you guys. Mm. So, uh, so you guys, you know, be on your best behavior. If uh, well, when this episode comes out, tomorrow's Christmas. Yeah, I know it's going to be Christmas, but the Christmas, the twelve days of Christmas, according to these legends, starts the twenty fifth through oh, January sixth. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. So 
So, yeah, um, you guys be good. If you have unspun flax, make sure you spin it before the end of the day today. Well, make sure you get your allotment. If yeah. you haven't started, yeah. you got a lot to do. Yeah, you, keep that cottage cool. clean. <laughs> yeah. So, you guys, I guess that's it. That's our Christmas special. <laughs> nice. So, Merry Christmas, you guys. Yeah, Merry yeah. Christmas, everybody. No matter everybody. what holiday you celebrate, we just want to wish you the happiest of holidays. Because we know it's been a rough year for a lot of people out there, and we hope that our podcast this year has spread just a little joy, to some of you at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little odd joy. <laughs> and <laughs> right. escape. So yeah, we want to thank you guys. I know that we've got one more episode, because next week is actually going to be New Year's Eve, I think. Yeah. So we've got one more episode before the end of the year, and we're going to draw from the vase this week, Alex. Will you go grab the vase, please? Yep. It's on the other side of the room. We weren't prepared. So next week, you guys. Oh, wow. This is going to be a dark uh, beginning of the year. But next week. No, well, this is the end of the year. Yeah, this the end the of last, the year. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Okay, you guys. From the vase, we have drawn the Manson family. Whoa. So next week, we are going to be talking about the Manson family. A great way to end the year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this subject was submitted to us by James's twin sister, actually. Yeah, Mandy. I knew it. The minute you so, said Manson family, I got funny story. I actually got her a Charles Manson uh, shirt for Christmas one year, and it was one of her favorite gifts that year. Is there something we need to know? <laughs> <laughs> so, do you guys want to hear some fun facts about Mandy? She likes Charles Manson. <laughs> she like she really likes Charles Manson. That'll be one of them. Let me see. And then, okay, so here here are two facts about Mandy on top of her love of, uh, I almost said Marilyn Manson, Charles Manson. Uh, and when I say love, I mean fascination. Okay, one, she was once an extra in a Fazoli's commercial, but you can't see her because it's just a shot of cars driving around the restaurant really quickly. <laughs> so you can see the car that she's in, but she was there. She's in the commercial. Uh-huh. And then two, one of her biggest pet peeves is when people simply reply with the letter K in text messages when saying okay. So that really fries her grits. Uh, so you guys, those are just some fun facts about me. I've never heard you say this saying before. You yeah, said and, twice. yeah, I was going to comment. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's my new thing for 2021. <laughs> Next week, we'll share our uh, our annual resolutions and what we learned in 2021. Right before we talk about the Manson family. <laughs> the Manson family. So, you guys, I guess that's it. Again, if you want to submit a topic to us so that you can hear your topic in the vase just like that, um, mm-hmm. you can send them to us on Instagram at 13th Floor Podcast. You can send them to us by email, 13th Floor Podcast at gmail.com, on our website, 13th Floor Podcast.com, or you can message James on our Facebook page. Yep. Um, Alex, who does our music our music is by grant cook you can find it on amazon music spotify itunes anywhere you listen to music so you guys thank you again for listening on this wonderful christmas eve yeah, yeah and again happy holidays to you wherever you are in the world and i guess until next time you guys we hope that you can keep, keep it, it strange i wish i had some people i was gonna do the song that james was singing <laughs> no, it is me. Happy.
happy holiday. God bless us, everyone.